thanks to the wonderful people at Guitar Center who are not endorsing or giving me any money for this, we can finally do this on the 40th anniversary for me, I think it'll be 41st for my guest here, of us wasting our lives on Dungeons and Dragons. I want to introduce my friend since 2003, if I remember, back in the days when people met up through Yahoo. Yep. Yep. Mark Brunner. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, it was a Yahoo Groups uh, through a local game store uh, here in Austin, or in Round Rock, actually. And uh, that's how I met Stephen in 2003. I'd been in the town less than 60 days. And to my soon bride-to-be, I said, you know what? We're moving to a new town. Do you mind if I try to look for a, a D&D group? And she said, that's okay. And maybe she regrets her decision um, since then, but I've been in and around the people that have glommed onto that gaming group since 2003 and it's now 2021 and like yeah. steven said i've been in this hobby since 1980 when i was the ripe age of 10. wow i was 12. yeah going on 13. but but uh if i also remember we were looking for new players because i'd fired all the players sometimes you just gotta do that Yes, uh, I learned the hard lesson not to play with coworkers, especially if one likes to get drunk at the table. Well, not to jump in too much on this, but yeah, I mean, it is a social game, and, and it's not just, okay, we can play Monopoly and roll dice, and it was good time, bad time, we get up and leave, and then come back next time and start all over. I mean, it's supposed to be a storytelling, and because it's social, sometimes there's just not a, not a click. Just yeah. like there may be someone who's a good coworker, a good friend, but maybe they're not the person you want to take to the bar. Maybe they're not the person you want to introduce to to your wife or whatever because they're a little out there. So sometimes, you know, when you have the, for lack of a better word, the intimacy of of a ongoing role playing group, maybe they're not the best fit. And we've experienced that over the years together, and um, without naming names, but different people at the table. Where after a while, you're just like, you know what? Maybe they're a good person. They're just not good for this. Yeah. It's um, when it works well, it's great. It's harmonious. Yeah. When it doesn't, it can be, you know, very awkward. And I salute the people that can sit down with a group of strangers on a random meet up on a Friday night at the local game store and just sit down and start role playing with a group of people. Right. And I've, I've not done that. I've, the closest I've come is at a gaming convention once or twice. And it's odd, you know, trying to hook in with people because... Um, you maybe met this person an hour ago or less, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, you're role playing a character that maybe is like bosom chum, or you saved my life twenty times. Is like I've barely met you, but apparently my character's known you since we were little, or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, it's 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 a good way to break the ice and, and meet new people, but it's also a good way to kind of learn more about your friends. Yeah. And their aspects of their personality. You know, who likes to? Um, some people are so buttoned up in real life. And then in the when there's no limits at the gaming table, um, it's like oh I can free to rob and steal and cheat and backstab and this and that and and you know look at me because you know the other ninety nine point nine percent of my day I'm a button down lawyer or cop or you know IT tech or whatever it is but here I get to go crazy and sometimes that gets a little old, quite old. <laughs> Okay, we're back. We had to do something about the dog toenail noises we were picking up, but that's okay. He's a good boy. He is a good boy and all that. So uh, we want to move on to the next thing as we were yeah. joking about. 
So what what other games does this lead to? Like I said before, you know, you, you dissed on Traveler, and having worked at GDW Games by Disposable Workers, uh, often I was one of the people arguing about you got to make the game sexy. Yeah. Well, and you know, as a, I was kind of jumping into the hobby as a ten, then eleven, then twelve year old, and you know, you look at a wall of text without art, and you, I just kind of bounced off that. Where I, I would definitely later I would love that kind of stuff. The art to me these days means nothing. I, I literally care almost nothing for that. I want to look at elegant game systems and rules and this and that. That makes sense. Art, fine, whatever. Or we're talking about my other peeve. I don't want your two pages of terrible fiction. Well, there, there's that. Yeah, yeah but that's a horrible. Trend. I just want good, logical, rules. But um, you know, but also with that in mind, I mean, as a as a ten, eleven, twelve year old, you always want to be at the next level, and so it's like, ooh, look at me. I'm I'm in this now, sort of adult hobby that the older boys are playing, and then people are talking about. It. I'm reading these words. I have to go look up, and this is you could you could tell that you know they're they're kind of operating at a higher level. This isn't snakes and ladders. It's not monopoly. It's not risk. I mean, this is something. It's a game, but it's different. And so that was a little appealing. It's like, wow, I'm I'm engaging in a hobby that's that's kind of new and different um at least it felt at the time so i'm kind of like you know intellectually i'm a little bit of a big boy right and there's always that stereotype that gamers are smarter than average and the sad truth is when i worked at gdw with the surveys and all that they're not right they're still gamers are in the same curve as the yeah. rest of the population and and definitely like i said back in in the school days you know learning the, the people that were into it were from the you know from the jocks to the squares to everybody in between and some of those kids were the tryhards and the smart people and some of them weren't they just they just you know it's just something fun and different but other other games what other games yeah yeah so just um it was that for the longest time because that's pretty much all there was and 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 we didn't have the resources to like now disposable income it's like okay flavor of the week here comes this i'm gonna buy this i'm gonna try that and so we it was hard to kind of just dip your toe in the water so everyone kind of had you know this rule book or this module for D and D, but it was hard to get into the things. I think I don't think I really started until I got into college uh, era when I had a little bit more money from working. Um, it's like okay, here's some other things I've heard about: Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, um, learning. Those are both Casium games. You know, um, that's the publisher. You know, learning those systems. Like okay, you can do the same thing. Why? How does this game? do things differently than that game. Okay, I like this part of it, I don't like that part of it, or whatever. And so just slowly branching out. And then also in college, you know, different people had different collections. So I had a friend who was, uh, excuse me, a roommate who was a gigantic gamer. He was into Champions and he was into Twilight 2000. And so that kind of expanded my horizons a little bit about, okay, I've never, never particularly into comic books that much, but here's a, you can still play a game and not be a giant fan of comic books and still play a fun game. Here's Champions, which maybe wasn't that fun, but at least you could try. You know, like wow, I'm real. I am really into military history, and I'm in ROTC in college, and I, I you know, I should be into Twilight 2000 because it's you know 1990s era, you know, uh, weaponry and this and that. And I was kind of you know a li- from a little bit standpoint living that life myself. You were in ROTC? I was. But then, I didn't know that. But guess what? I bounced off of it. I didn't like it. You know, so it's like, again, just different things. It's like, didn't like comic books, love comic book games. Was kind of in the military. Didn't like the military games. You know, just it's just it's just interesting. And then, like, you know, I'm not a particular 
horror fan or supernatural fiction fan, but I love Call of Cthulhu. And I, I came to the fiction of H.P. Lovecraft through the game as opposed to the other way around. So, right. You know the sequel game to Twilight 2000, right? No. You didn't know that there's a sequel game. It's called 2300 AD. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, a guy named Tim Brown who worked at GW went on to TSR and did Dark Sun, and he had the best joke about it. He said, Twilight 2000 is the great prequel because before you build a road to the stars, don't forget to nuke the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, actually, funny. Okay, nuke the world. So actually right. the second role-playing system I ever got into, and this landed pretty hard. My folks, we, went, we had a Christmas... It was in um, New Mexico. Uh, we grew up in Houston, so we, we, my family wasn't big on giant family trips, so it was rare for us to actually take a big trip. Um, and so we took a big trip, and so my parents were like, we're going to have Christmas somewhere else. What can we do? We want to bring gifts, but we, you can't bring boxes and boxes and boxes. So I think my parents strategically thought, if we buy Mark a new role-playing game, you know, a 20-page or 50-page you know, manual, he will chew on that all vacation long so they bought me the i guess it was probably the second edition or first edition of gamma world and i just fell in love with that which is D D in a different light that's like saying you know oh you like apples here's a green apple okay it's slightly different but it's pretty much the same thing and it just i that that hooked me pretty hard too so that was my go-to for a while but my friends were still like this is great laser guns that's fun hey let's play D D. so i never really ran a lot of those games although i had a, a lot of affinity for it and also because frankly also hey this is my parents kind of putting their stamp of approval this hobby is okay you know um, they were always suspicious about things that i got too much into if i talked about something too much or it's like you know hey are you still doing your studies and still doing this and that it's like if i talked about something too much they were like wait a minute let's let's back out whether it was an activity or a girl or whatever, if I was too infatuated, they'd, they'd start pulling the reins in. But that was sort of their seal of approval. Like, hey, we, we approve. This is imaginative. Hey, here's here's the world getting blown up. You know, have fun, son. You know, whatever. Okay, because a, a lot of my friends would do Thunder of the Barbarian with it. Right. Yeah. Kind of trying to mix the two. Yeah. yeah. Somehow. Hey, I've got three arms like Thunder on his horse. Yeah. <laughs> I got a gun in each one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, besides other games, uh, did it ever lead to other books? It seems to me you came in through the other way around, because usually gaming leads to people saying, oh, I'm going to read Moorcock. Right. Or um, Gordon R. Dixon. Right. Um, I'm not very big on fantasy myself. I've always been more science fiction, but D&D's always been my game, because I hate most fantasy literature. And and I was kind of, I mean, I, I, I put my toe in, in science fiction, but then I, I leaned more and more heavily into... into um, fantasy and um that seemed to be what i consumed a lot of and then in the back of the first edition advanced dungeons and dragons module or excuse me a uh, rule book i think it's like appendix e or appendix g or whatever yeah there's a whole list of hey these are authors and works that have influenced the game and for the longest time i'd kind of i use that sort of as a guide and it's like, oh, I've, I don't know who Jack Vance is, but it's mentioned in the back of the book. So I'm going to go look at his stuff. Wow. Okay. Fritz Leiber. Um, okay. The Conan stuff. I've read most of it. I'm going to go read, read through more. And so just picking up bits and pieces, Michael Moorcock, I started getting into in college. And it's just like, whoa, I see the influence. And I became a little bit of a fantasy literature snob. Because a lot of my friends were coming to it like, okay, I've read Dragonlance. I've read Crystal Shard. I've read the books 
about the game. And my whole, I had this refrain for the longest time. Again, I was just being a complete snob about it. I'm like, I, I read books that influence the game. I don't read books that were influenced by the game. You know, like that's some, some badge of nerd honor or whatever that instead of reading Dragonlance, which is set in a Dungeons and Dragons world, I'm reading, you know, Fritz Leiber, which is where, you know, the Were Rat comes from. Which the Were Rat comes from in the Thieves Guild. And here's a city that might as well be Greyhawk, but it's called something else. And it was written, you know, back L- in the Lankamar. Lankamar back yeah. in the twenties or something as opposed in the seventies. And so it's just I had I was a little bit of a snob. And so I didn't I didn't pick up a lot of literature that my some of my friends who were big into D and D, they were, you know, the Forgotten Realms and stuff. That was about the era when I kinda had started to check out. And that was hugely influential to a lot of people, a lot of gamers that I would intersect with, they would talk about these tropes from some of the, the more recent fantasy literature, and I was steeped in, you know, stuff from a generation ago. Um, you know, the Nine Princes in Amber and things like that, you know, just, just kind of working through some of the old fantasy classics. That... Well, you did the right thing, though, because uh, even the TSR employees I dealt with, they didn't care for many of the books either. Yeah. Because it took them even, it was pretty funny, it took them a while to actually write these well because there's even an instance where a wizard said, stand back, I'm going to cast Tensor's Floating Disc. Right. I I read a Dark Sun one for research because that one freelance thing I got to do, and it was a chore. I've heard that some of them are just, yeah. I mean, Hard. I wasn't a professional, but I found a better way to, Right, there was like the dwarf was like, if I die, I can't finish my focus. Why don't you also tell mommy tell us how many hit dice you have? Exactly. When yeah. I would say, it, it would have done it better of like if I die without completing my, I don't know, my goal or whatever, I am cursed to to walk the earth or something. You know? Yeah. It. I couldn't believe the and they'd already been doing this for ten years and the author still couldn't square the circle. You don't want to see all the the wheels working behind the scenes where it's like, you know, Hey, right. look at me. Look, we're talking about the game. You know, you might, right. as well, you might as well be rolling a die. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, and all that. But I, I would also say, you know, gaming got a big kick, got a good big, big push from star Wars. Right. You know, that's, that's definitely where art came to matter too. Yeah. And, and definitely that was a big storytelling kick in the pants. And so, you know, always wanting to do that, and it spoke to me because, I mean, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, kind of the two big properties of my, you know, my youth that were kind of, you know, fantastic or whatever, that that just serial storytelling, literally cliffhanging type resolutions. People are captured. They get how they how they're never going to get free. You know, he'll never survive that trap. That kind of stuff kind of colored our, you know, basic uh role playing at the beginning it was very action oriented it wasn't you know politics or things like that which later you know as you mature you kind of like hey let's try something different you know like i love vanilla let's try vanilla bean you know or whatever or how we start to learn the shades of gray right right yeah. so things not just all pure pure good pure pure evil yeah. or just murder hoboing whopping around the money know. hauling yes just yeah. what 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 10 new magic items can i get this minute right you know um, it's things a little more nuanced. So, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, just uh, literature, including you know movies and such. I mean, it all fed back to each other. Um, I didn't have cable, so there was a lot of you know early sword and sorcery cheesy movies 
the whole, you know, post Conan ripoffs of whatever you want to call it. Um, all those, you know, sword and sandal type movies, barbarian esque movies that came, I missed a lot of that stuff. So I had a lot of friends that were kind of playing off of those tropes. I'm like, okay, I'm like the guy from Hawk the Slayer. Like, I don't, I've heard of that. You know, I don't have cable, so I haven't seen this movie 10,000 times. Like, I, okay, I saw Beastmaster once, you know, whatever. You know, other people were like, all these, one cheesy movie after another um, that I just wasn't influenced by. So yeah. I kind of kept things a little, a little pure. But, you know, just here comes Excalibur. We love Excalibur. Okay, here comes Conan the Barbarian. We, we love that. And, and Krull. Krull. I mean, and the, the guy, we were at Guitar Center, the guy went on about Krull with us. That was awesome. hilarious. Awesome. Which was originally going to be the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I, I had heard about that. Yeah. 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 And and my parents, it's funny. I mean, they, they just had almost like a European outlook of on literature and film. It's like nudity, fine. Swearing, fine. Violence, fine. Whatever. As long as, it, again, we didn't come home and obsess about it and make it secret and giggle or whatever. It's just like, okay. It's like, here's Conan chopping Felsa Doom's head off in 1982 and I'm 12 years old watching it or 13 or whatever it was in the theater with my parents watching this, you know, Excalibur. Why does that man have his armor on? And he's on top of that lady who's not his wife. You know, I mean, just like, okay, it's just, it, it, it was just, it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't brought, we weren't, it wasn't brought to us in a, in a titillating sense. It's or just prurient. Prurient. There yes. you go. That's, that's the better word. And so I got to see a lot of these, um, fantasy type things or, or even science fictional type things alien in the theater went then the first in the first go when I was a, a lad but you know just it was um, because we didn't take from that and twist it into something different um, most parents think uh, it's the same with my family like, I see something like that and I'm going to turn into Ron Jeremy right you're like yeah. what well and, and uh, now I'm keep thinking about another game another game that my parents bought me uh, was Top Secret uh, the original top secret uh, game from the 80s, uh, the espionage game. And yep. um, loved it. My friends just kind of bounced off of it. The rules were very fiddly, very mathy. Very, very, very mathy. And um, so I had no one to play with. And I loved James Bond and the Avenger, the original Avengers, meaning the, the yep. British ones. Steed um, and Peel. Steed and Peel and just all that stuff. My prisoner. And so that was, that was sort of the, that spoke most to my parents. So where my, I leaned towards fantasy my sister of all things even though she was a girly girl she she leaned into westerns louis l'amour and things like that when she read crime novels elmore uh you'd like my sister you mean elroy, El, elroy james elroy. Yeah, elroy you're thinking of um, the artist larry elroy. right and and so um i'm staring at that shirt to make me think of artists um my parents just loved espionage literature and so john le carre etc um ian fleming and so my sister and i played top secret one-on-one -on -one, over and over and over and over and over and like I had my character and she would DM me or they call it the administrator, not the DM. And I would, she had her character and I would DM her. And we did that. That was a constant hobby of ours for many, many years. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's very hard to do, especially when everybody cuts their teeth, teeth cuts their teeth on D and D. It's very hard to do other genres because espionage for especially is really solo. I mean, it's James right. Bond and maybe a sidekick for a while. Right. And the sidekick, gets a bullet later it's it's and that's it's interesting to kind of learn that like what works with the genre with the number of people the the personalities at the table yeah if you have real jokey people at the table it's then you're trying to run some super speed you know like atmospheric horror 
and we're you know the lights are on yeah they're, now they're lower now they're lower and we're running this story and we're going to freak the crud out of you and someone's constantly busting up okay well then you can't it's sometimes it's their fault sometimes it's your fault you got to read the room same thing with like okay it's espionage i got a group of guys that just want to get around and kill orcs we can't pretend it's the cold war and this is the stakes are serious the clock is ticking you know we, if you don't save this you know vienna's gonna fall okay some people don't like my sister and i could get into that stuff and also one-on-one -on -one, that's easier because it's like okay there's a spy mission if you have eight people trying to sneak into a building it's not gonna work um you know so the fiction is okay you're the you're the super spy or whatever so it was it was just um different you learn kind of different things to different people you can't just keep bringing as the as the person that's running the game you can't just keep bringing the same thing to the party um hey i got my same four friends these friends they pretty much like this type of game i can keep beating my head in and getting frustrated by trying to show them different things let's try this let's try that if they're not into that they're not into that and yeah. so you just get you just get frustrated what what I've also found frustrating, despite all these years and the evolution of the game and the video games getting better and all that, you'd think that those players we dealt with and the frustration of growing up would move over to the video games to do that. Right. And they're still here at right. the table. You're right. still dealing with the guy who's like, this is not Doom. This is not Castle Wolfenstein. This is not Star Wars Lego. Right. Yeah, it's it's it in it, it can be it, it can, it and, but then you also you have to respect what you like. Like I'm not bringing that type of game to the table, right? So. Because because the computers have taken over and have taken care yeah. of that thing of like when we were younger, like well I'm bored at the table by myself. I'm just going to roll random dungeons and go yeah. around. And and the selling point that Wizards of the Coast tried 20 years ago is saying you could do that in your basement and the computer, but how would you like to come around and all that. And, and part of my frustration, too, of why I left the band or whatever, is, like, I'm trying to create something you can't get. Right. And you guys are pissing all over it. Yeah. You know, it's like an, I, I have a part-time job I'm not getting paid for, so I don't want to hear any complaints. But And, and that and that does, you can really lean to, into it, and, yeah. and which is a good part of the hobby. It, but it also can be very unappreciative. It's like, oh, yeah. I spent eight hours working up this map and this background and this and that. It's like, well... Part of the reason is like, well, why? And they killed everything in 15 minutes. Yeah. and But then maybe it's because, you know what? I actually enjoy that. So my my enjoyment of, the, quote, the game yeah. is more than just what happens in the three hours on Wednesday nights or whatever. It, it can be more. But also that can be frustrating because it's like, hey, to, to put three hours of, like, a comedian, I need 10 minutes. Okay, well, I'm not prepping 10 minutes for 10 minutes. Prepping weeks for ten minutes, you know, yeah. I'm prepping a lot for a three-hour production. You know, what? you're not talking for three hours, but still, it's all as you know, as fellow GM, uh, game master, you do a lot of note-taking and strategic thinking and planning traps and surprises and things like that. Um, and it, sometimes it's appreciated, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can improvise on the spot. Sometimes your improvisation is because you have done all the prep then you can improvise you know yeah. um and you it, it helps when it's appreciated as opposed to like no one cares you know let's move on to another part yeah we've talked about the improvisation and all that did this did anything from D, &D dovetail into your life say school or even your choice of career i everybody knows about me where they're like oh you got to live the dream yeah that became a nightmare very quickly <laughs> Because that's my favorite question people ask me, especially at my job, where they go, like, what have you done? Like, I worked in the D&D &D business. What was it like? 
Lope and the admiration of dozens. Right. And every convention, you're behind the table, or once an hour, some person comes up to you and say, you suck. Right. So that's why I leave Kathleen Kennedy at Skywalker or whatever it is at Disney alone. Right. Everybody wants to bash that poor woman. I'm like, lady, you got all my sympathy. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, as a... As a kid, I mean, the game, the reading fed the game, which fed reading, which goes back and forth. And this, again, it's, it's, it, it had at one time kind of a high level of language and it, it rewarded quick thinking. And, and I mean, I'm a, I'd like to think of myself as a quick thinking, you know, lawyer. Um, I do a lot of stuff, you know, I'm probably at my best in the courtroom when the chips are down and you're having to almost improvise and, and things are happening. I mean, I, I got a pretty snappy mind. I don't know if, if gaming caused that um role-playing game but it, it certainly can't hurt i mean because again you you have to problem solve and and work as a hope ideally work as a team um and whether sometimes you know as you're a, if you're running the game you're the one person kind of putting on a story and you have to kind of if you're not just reading what happens next in the next room from a module that you may have bought and just going straight down it and you're you're kind of adapting to what's happening um you know you look at the text and Oh, there's a locked door. Well, what if I want to use this crazy spell in this crazy way? Well, you have to figure out a way to say yes or say no or whatever. And so it, it does it, it does help stretch those muscles and work on improvisation and, and work on quick problem solving. And 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 that was, you know, I think it's good to have that that basis uh, at, a, at a young age. And we, we kind of fed into that. So okay, we'll turn around. Why be a lawyer, though? Um, because because of because medical school was really way more expensive and much longer to become a clinical psychologist, which was also thought about doing so. No way. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I was, I was um, in the middle, I was taking, uh, didn't really struggle in college throughout my course of psychology classes until I got to, to, to statistics. Well, let's back up. Because well, let's, for the audience and all that, if I remember, your yeah. freshman year was John Hopkins. Yeah. Which is amazing. It was something different. Yeah. And, and so I, I, when you were there, were you still like a clinical psychologist? Uh, I, I actually, at that time, I went there to be in the international relations department. So, um, but then I found that Johns Hopkins graduate school, great. Johns Hopkins undergrad was just to be tolerated, and they, you know, teachers barely had time for you. They were worried about publishing the TAs. The graduate students were barely had time for you. They were busy, you know, doing their own thing, trying to become teachers or what become doctors or what have you. And so I just learned pretty quickly. It's like, if I want to be taught by a TA, I would, should have just gone to a state school. And meanwhile, my sister was two years older than me. She was at Trinity university in San Antonio having the time of her life. And I was just hearing about how she knew her teachers on a first name basis and how the classes were so small. And, you know, she's just having a blast in a, in a, in a academically rigorous blast, not like it's, getting wasted at the Kappa house every night. No, no, no. I mean, just, just really having a good time as a student. I'm like, I am missing that. Um, found a lot of guys to play D and D with at, at, uh, at Johns Hopkins because all those people who were, um, the solo picked upon stereotypical D and D player, me, a lot of them ended up at Johns Hopkins, at least the year, the year I was there. So we, we all found each other. It was a giant knot of us. So we had some crazy, uh, gigantic, massive sessions of D and D at age 18, 19. So some of the, some of the kids had sort of rediscovered it that had been laid fallow for many years. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we can, 
we can renew this hobby. And it was a good way to pass the time as a, as a broke college kid in Baltimore, Maryland, when you had no car, no money, and didn't really know anybody. But then you took a year off or so, right? Yeah. To say, John Hopkins is not for me. Right. And then worked yeah. and so forth, and then on to Trinity. Well, and, and let, let me tell you something here, because this, this is going to sound really highfalutin about, you know, Mark is the gamer, or this is role-playing to your other friends. So I was out of school for a year, and the summer between school number one and school number two, I knew it was going to be taking some time off. I had a lot of just doubt. And probably looking back at it now with the lens of what we think about in 2020, I was probably depressed. And I was just, I was in, my, my dad had taken a job in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We still had the house in Houston, but my mom moved to Tennessee. I was spending the summer in Tennessee. All my friends from Johns Hopkins were, I was never going to see them again, literally. My friends from the Houston area that I grew up with, they were all scattered. They were in Texas back for the summer. I was nowhere. I was in Chattanooga. I knew nobody. My sister was barely around that summer because um, she had job opportunities elsewhere. So I was very isolated. Didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I wasn't going back to school next semester. And working in a lumber yard and uh, just beating my, my body into shape every day. And it was physically hard. And, and um, it was good for me. But I just was getting kind of worn down because I just didn't know what the future held. And I was at a bookstore, uh, just a regular it wasn't Walden's Books, it was some kind of local bookstore in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and there was a, um, a Warhammer book, kind of a British follow-up of D&D. And it was a lot of money, because it was imported. It was not published locally. So I bought that Warhammer fantasy role-playing book, and then there was a gigantic campaign called The Enemy Within, um, a campaign book that was like three modules sl- crammed together that was an import those two books were very dearly cost it cost a lot of money for me at the time um working at the lumberyard and um i think that saved my sanity because also when i moved to houston during that year off during the school year i moved to like i didn't want to be 19 living with my parents i said we still have the house in houston i will basically babysit the house i will get some kind of a job which i did get you know, very little money, very little, you know, didn't have money for gas, this and that. So I didn't want to, you know, couldn't, didn't have friends yet. So I just sat in my big dark house um, with no air conditioning and uh, in Houston, Texas. And when it was hot, it's hot, it's cold, it's cold, whatever. And I would just solo role play that enemy within campaign by myself night after night after night because um, the TV was broken. So no internet, no cell phone. I mean, it was just, it was a very isolated existence, but it it was just a way to kind of engage the other half of my brain. Because during the day it was like, okay, I'm working at Foley's, I'm in the loading dock. It's again, like the lumber yard, a very physical job. Um, But then later, you know, I kind of came out of that shadow, got friends, reconnected with my buddies from Houston, reconnected with, with some other people, started, you know, I'm like, okay, and now I'm aiming towards Trinity University that's where I'm going to go, my, the school that my sister's at. And it all came together, and I never, I didn't, like, give up the hobby. It wasn't like, okay, now I can drop this like a hot potato. I leaned on it as a crutch, now I'm going to kick the crutch away. It's like, hey, I got back into gaming. It was a way to kind of keep myself inter- interested. It was just something neat. So in the, in the down times, I could think about, sounds goofy, but you could think about a world bigger that you were creating. What would my character do? What's this? What's going to happen next? It was just, it was a way to kind of, it's, it's escapism. It's fantasy. It's, it is escape, but it's, it's a healthy escape. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't liquor. You know, I could have gone down that path. Didn't. 
um, it was good for me. Would you say that gaming helped you regain your momentum to go back to college? Because a lot of people, they drop out, and then you get addicted to working, and it's so hard to get back into that school groove. So I had told myself I was going to be out one semester, and then one semester turned into two semesters. And then once that happened, literally all my friends were like, you're, you're sorry, you're not going to come back. Yeah, it's McDonald's. Yeah, it's that's it. Because like, okay, here's Mark, and like, I'm now... 1920 I'm essentially living on my own I got a big giant house in Houston I'm not paying the mortgage but still it's like oh there's girls and a little bit of spending money so I mean as as the as the things went from being dire can't know don't know if I have enough of gas to, to go to work to okay now I've got a paycheck and a bank account and, and this and that and the, I fix the TV and you know you've got some mastery um, you know, you think, yeah, Mark's just college is not for him. He's not coming back. It's like, no, no, no. I, I came back, and then I stepped, kept gaming, and it's like I gamed more in the years that you know I got into college. Um, the last two years of my college career, when my grades were the highest, is like that's the time I gamed the most. And that's when I ran into that that one roommate who was like, hey, I I used to play D and D, but I also played Champions, and we run a we have a group every week, and I listened to him after a six hour session. He'd catch me up, and then every once in a while, I'd, I'd kind of guest star in some of their games, and then I guest GM'd a couple times and champions. I'd learned the rules, and so it was just good. It was it was a, it was a nice bridge hobby. It wasn't just well, I just watched TV and broke myself out of depression. It's like I was able to kind of exercise a different part of my brain, and it did it really did help me. And then you finished your undergrad, and then yep, straight to law school. Straight to law school. Yeah, I mean, after I, I worked at a law firm for for six months, um, kind of interim because I, I graduated in December, so it was kind of odd. Law school didn't start up again until the next um, full school year, like in August or whatever, so I had, I had some time. So I worked at a big, giant law firm in, um, in Houston. Not uh, Baker Botts. Baker Botts. You did do Baker Botts? Yes, I was a legal assistant clerk, so there was like, I was an assistant to the legal assistants. I was basically clerking, clerking underneath a paralegal. Um, a paralegal? Paralegal. Yeah, they had been at Baker Butts. At Baker that's Butts. a big deal to be under yeah. the paralegal. Yes, they they this place was run like an army. I mean, it was they had rank and this and that, and I you had to wear a suit every day. You had to you know it was you dressed like a lawyer even though you weren't. Um, but it was literally they, they had a whole program. It was called a legal assistant clerk. They had this whole program for people pretty much just like me. You're like post law school. I mean, excuse me, post college. You're going to go to law school. You've been accepted, but you're just not there yet for whatever reason and they had just a cadre of us and that was you know that was some good times because you're making pretty good money and rolling with some good people so and for the audience around the world can you clue us clue them in because i know what baker bots is but you might we need to give the rest of the world the layman's term of who they are giant law firm uh based in houston texas uh the baker is uh from baker bots is former secretary of state jim baker so oil and gas real estate just any any you know energy anything you can think of a big high dollar corporate law, 10 floors of a gigantic building in downtown Houston. And they occupy all the floors. All floors, yeah. I mean, well, and it's like a 70 story building, but there's 10 of them are Baker Bots, and it's just, it's, it's, it was a big damn deal. And so, like I said, I wasn't a lawyer there, but I was, that's like an A plus law firm, but I was at least a legal assistant clerk, and you get to see the interactions. And I learned enough to, like, oh, I don't want to do that person's job. This person's job is pretty cool. That person's clinically depressed. This person's alcoholic, you know, or whatever. But, you know, it was very old school. I mean, this is some of the secretaries. It was I joined at a time and I guess in the early 90s, early early 90s, where it's like some of the secretaries, it was new to have a computer with a mouse 
that was a big dang deal to some of these old school secretaries that yeah. were used to something different. Windows three three one exactly yeah going from keyboard shortcuts to mouse based and it's like no 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 here play solitaire learn how to use that mouse you know play Minesweeper we don't we're not going to chastise you for playing solitaire because that is actually to teach you how to move this goofy thing off to the side of your of your keyboard interesting you know um, but I I kept gaming in law school um, I had my girlfriend wanted to learn Call of Cthulhu you know same kind of thing uh, my girlfriend in in college wanted to learn um, she she had heard about D&D her, her dad actually when he was he was quite a bit older but he was almost like a, the age of like a Gary Gygax or whatever he had played when he was younger in the army excuse me the air force he was a contractor at an air force base and so some of his buddies long ago had played back in the in the 70s in the you know late 70s so she knew about the hobby so she and I you know played um, Call of Cthulhu so I was always kind of trying to introduce friends to the hobby some of them some of it took some of it didn't um, but it's, it was always you know just again something that uh, people that I tended to hang out with I wanted to share with and they usually were pretty receptive to it it wasn't I literally had I did have one friend of mine in East Texas um, when I tried to get her in the hobby she was one of those people that was told that you know dice are wicked and D&D &D leads to Satanism and literally I'm like trying to show her I had percentile dice and I wanted to show her like let's just say you've, you she was she was a she was a reserve deputy, so at a police local police department. She okay, had, she, I was wondering what that is. She had another job, but she's basically a part-time cop. So okay. it's like, hey, well, pretend you're sneaking up on the bad guys who are in the barn, and you have an eighty percent chance of success. You know, we can't say you're for sure. So you take these dice and you roll them. Oh, look, seventy-one. That's lower than eighty. That means you you snuck up to the door. So, are you going to kick in the door with your gun drawn? Are you going to listen? What are you going to do? And she was like scared of using her imagination she it was like i had slowly cracked open the necronomicon and said just take one look girl you know she, and she was smart college educated east coast um it wasn't like she's some yokel i mean we were in east texas she was not from east texas super smart lady um she was her full-time job was the supervisor for the regional cps children protective services smart lady but basically like i have heard these games will like you will lose your soul if you play this stuff i know you played and i see your books i don't want to touch them i don't want to think about them. like i'm trying to show her rolling dice and using your imagination she's like I, I i can't i can't do this it's like you've got girlfriends of yours to play this with you i'm like yeah they, they're i think they're still going to heaven it's okay you know? i'll give you a funnier anecdote when yeah. we moved to houston my mother got a job selling uh terrible out of style maternity clothes and the woman who was brought in from HQ to train her was from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And she stayed with us for a little while. My mother's like, oh, my son is into that. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. And I'm like, what do you know about it? When you go to bars and you meet guys who are into it, don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> so she was like, it's not one of those things you could pretend. <laughs> right. Yeah. That you're good at. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. of like. Don't lie about your golf score. Don't lie about how you like D and D or, or yeah. astrology or there Star Trek. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Well, let's go on to so it went into your career. So you would say it's helped you with improvisation. Yes, it's helped you with thinking on your feet. And I've also read some studies that they say managers who are dungeon masters are also very good at running meetings. 
I can see that. I know. I can definitely see that. I do too. Yeah, I, it's I have, and I've heard anecdotally that um, some people, you know, interviewing for tech type jobs, or especially in some small places, um, you know, just what's your what's your you know how are you at running small groups and this and that? And people are like, well, I've run a D and D campaign for eight years, and you have you know the people are like, hey, that's that's great, you know, tell tell us about your campaign and this and that, you know, some of the challenges because again, you you are hurting people because sometimes. Someone's having a bad day, and you all need to, you know, hey, guys, you gotta, you gotta get this together and work as a team and do this and that. So and yeah, handle the snark. Right, right. That too. Yeah. So moving on with now that you are happily married yep. and all that, you have Elizabeth and Evan. Yep. How's gaming coming along with them to pass it on to the next generation? Yes and no. It's funny because um, you know they they see me at the hobby. I mean, I'm 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 gaming steadily every every especially during the pandemic you know now i can't go out for wednesday night wednesday night comes home you know with me and so i am i am there at the kitchen table or in the office you know gaming and uh, sometimes it's it's funny voices i'm not usually into that but sometimes it's just people laughing or sometimes it's it's frankly i'm sitting there with my head in my hand because other people are arguing about rules and i just can't be bothered and i just want it to end and so they sometimes will see like I don't want to get involved in that hobby because dad's always sitting there bitching about this and that and putting himself on mute and then pulling his hair out. But I think that's just, you know, that's just me being histrionic a little bit. But um, my son, I kind of t ran him through some very, you know, basic stuff. Uh, this sounds very highfalutin, but I, I, I think every gamer does this. You make your own system. So I had a very easy system. I, I made homebrew called MVP for mind, vitality, and personality. This is a little, so I ran him through that years ago and it's a, it's a hackable thing. So it was like, okay, here's MVP system that is what I called spy fi. So Evan was into espionage movies and the Avengers back then. So it's like, okay, we're going to, here's your, here's your, here's your super spy and his sidekick and this and that. And here we're going to run through all these scenarios. And he really enjoyed that. Um, he never really pulled, started, I mean, my kids would pull the, the monster manuals down from the shelf and then you know look at the art and and that had meaning to them so they asked about the hobby and this and that but they weren't um i haven't really gotten them yet i mean they've both rolled up characters hey you think we might do this one time you know because we, we have a rotating family game and we try to do you know whose whose turn it is to pick a board game and so my daughter one time said, you know what, one of these, one of my picks, one of these days, when the next time it's my turn, I'm going to say, we're going to play D&D. &D. But to do that, everyone needs to roll up a character. And my wife knows how to roll up characters. She's like, okay, give me five minutes, I can do that. I'll just pick something. I may not know all the rules, but I know, I know what a wizard is, I know what a barbarian, I'll just, I'll just figure it out. And uh, my wife's pretty much like that. She doesn't need to know all the details, just, just get me started and I'll figure it out as we go along. My son's a little bit more deliberative. And so we've slowly been in that process, like, you know what, everyone rolled up characters, but we never actually played the game. We need to actually sit down and do that. And so um, we're, we're close, we're close. But D&D &D adjacent, I mean, we'll play a lot of board games that have those same elements, um, video games that have those same elements. So definitely fantasy is in, is in the world. I mean, like kids, my daughter loves Skyrim. My, my son loves Star Wars. If I probably ran a Star Wars role-playing game, he would probably say, okay, I'll do that. You know, um, if I ran a Star Trek role playing game, my wife would be like, I am first at the table. You know, so there's I think fantasy is probably everybody's 
second choice, really. Um, if I ran some kind of crazy dystopian something, my daughter would be like, where am I? You know, I'm right there, Dad, you know. Hunger Games-esque, something like that. But, you know, I think, I think for me, fantasy is a little bit more dear than, everyth- than everybody else. So we haven't clamored yet, but it's not like the family's bounced off of it. I mean, it's, it's on the table. It's, we're, we're close. We get, we get good enough sometimes. You have 20 minutes left. Awesome. I do. All right. I was wondering what these funny gestures were. I was saying that you had 30 minutes, and now you have 20 minutes. Oh, okay. There's these hand gestures, and I'm... I'm used to court, so I knew exactly what that meant. Oh, I didn't. I was uh, I was reacting at it. Like, uh, if you're watching The Bad Batch, I'm uh, the big bulky one who's like, oh, those things. Yeah. Like, wrecker. You know? Hand signals, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, where... Or there was like... Um, Oh, I can't remember. There's some parody where somebody's doing these, and it's not like, what are you doing? Yeah, what is that? Yeah. Probably it's always sunny in Philly. Probably like a Mac thing where it's like, what does that mean? I don't know. I have, it's, well, not to burn up, but yeah, it's funny because we talk about that. I've, I've talked about kids and hand signals. I've, as, from a young age, I taught my kids certain hand signals. And when we're at our old neighborhood, old neighborhood twice removed now, there's a giant pool. And it's getting dark and it's summertime, and you have these parents that are yelling and yelling and yelling for the kids to get out of the pool five minutes four minutes okay it's been past five minutes and the kids are bargaining and mm. yelling back and forth and you're just sitting there like i'm just trying to enjoy my night read my book while my kids are playing and i just my proud parent moment you know all this it's chaos it's just that and i would just just yell out one time just my son's voice really loud once just Evan, one time kind of cut through and i can i can project i can be loud Evan turns his head one little I'm using my right index finger pointing straight up and I'm just making a tight circle just like this just a little like that up, that's it up they're 100 yards away at the end of the pool in the far deep end I'm sitting where you know where the parents are all hanging out just finger up in the air little hand signal okay Elizabeth it's time to go dad says it's time to go get up walk all there no bargaining no nothing I was like all oh, this some, occasionally I get you know, moms and whatever looking at me like, how did you just do that? Because I've been yelling at my kid for 45 minutes to get the heck out of the pool. It's like, no, they, they, they learned. So, sorry. It's Diversion right. off of role-playing games to hand signals for the family. So. That's right. That's right. Bunt. 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 Steal third. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, we're joking about the coyote, too. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, well, let's talk about some non-gaming things. Yeah. What are some other stuff? Or What have we ever done? Other than maybe a movie or something. I mean, there's more to the two of us than just Dungeons and Dragons, I know. for a, It's funny because for a while, we, I think we may have done this one time because um, I lamented that, you know, here we are in Texas and we, we talk about, you know, what languages you can speak in growing up. And I know you, you learned French. I had to be different. My entire family speaks Spanish. My mom is a native speaker. And then my dad just learning it through business. My, my sister through through schooling. I had to learn French. And then what the heck good has that done for me? Zero. So I think, you know, when you and I first met, I think we tried at least one or two times, like we were going to go to a bar and we're going to sit down and watch the hockey game. And, and other than ordering from the waitress, we are going to try to speak French to each other. I think we did that maybe twice. You probably have forgotten this. It was a struggle because our idea was like, Oh, you speak French. I speak French. We're going to work on our French together. This is going to be great. That was a failure. 
Wow. Um, I usually have a pretty good memory. We've seen some pretty good movies together back in the day. Master and Commander, a couple other ones. Um, Remember that, that meltdown the one lady had we were waiting to go about yes. how bad the Matrix was? Oh, yeah. Just... Um, that was hilarious. A lot of, a lot of just... Uh, what? What's the story? Oh. <laughs> She was, uh, she was, uh, our engineer wants to know the details. Of, of course. We were waiting to go see Master and Commander, and um, this woman, she just, she was just losing it. And, and uh, I think it was the third Matrix movie, and yeah. she was complaining about how visible the wires were from all the effects. And you're like, it's not real anyway. Yeah. You know, that's why I don't mind old Star, the Star Trek from the 60s or Lost in Space. It's part of its charm. How did they do that with with so little old Doctor Who's especially? It's like no, you someone bumped the set and it fell down. They just tried to tighten the camera so you didn't see that the set was falling down. You know, Dark like, Shadows is notorious ex- for like, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my mom was a gigantic Dark Shadows fan. Um, I'm glad. She, it's funny because she 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 named me Mark Twain. She named me after Mark Twain, so I guess my name could have been Samuel. But I'm really lucky my name wasn't Barnabas. So she was a gigantic. She thinks it's funny because she says, I watched so much Dark Shadows when you were, when I was pregnant with you. I was, you know, that's probably where you got your love. And you were in England, right? Um, no, at that time we were in America. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we, um, she said, that's why you like fantasy so much is that you were, you were so consumed. So I was like, well, were you watching a lot of Westerns when Heather was born? Because my sister was into Westerns and she's just a regular Americana kid. It's not like we grew up on a ranch or, you know, daddy's got a six shooter. No, it's just like she's really into westerns, like I was really into, you know, science fiction and, and fantasy and such. And so, yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there's a person who remains, will remain anonymous, but his ex wife, if you remember, named a child, um, was it the, the, the prince everybody hated in Games of Thro- Game of Thrones? Um, Joffrey? Yes. And I'm like, I've never read or seen it. And I was like, that's like naming your kid Hitler, right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, why would you name your kid that? Yeah. Well, it's funny because there was a person at our gaming table who, and I have my problem with this sometimes, is that if someone who I don't care for really pushes something or they're really into something. Let's I, back up. The player or the topic? Well, the topic. So someone who's like, oh, you know, hey, that's that burnout guy from high school who smells funny. He really is in the Pink Floyd, so it must not be that good. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. It's actually pretty rich, you know, whatever. But then like this, there was a guy who joined our game table for a short time. He liked his game a certain way. He was big into Game of Thrones, wouldn't stop talking about it. And it was back way before the TV show. And so it was a game. It was a series of books I'd heard about. People had talked about, but no one had pushed it as hard as this guy pushed. So I was like, "No way in heck am I reading Game of Thrones because this guy really because this guy's into it. It must stink." Well, I I come to find out I I really enjoyed it, enjoyed the books, enjoyed the movies, uh, the TV show. But it's just funny. I was I can get snobby that way. Well, I'm guilty of that too. I I get a lot of grief for um, I just don't like Firefly. Right. Because. It's I'm okay. Ex- I've seen a bit of it, but yeah. it's like for me, if there's anything libertarians are nuts about, it's bad. And also the fact, like, what makes you think brown coat is exactly a good nickname or a good thing to be associated with? Because there's also brown shirts. Brown shirt, yeah. Yes. Not not, not a good association. Very close association. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. I I kind of that show was like okay, it's fine. 
Yes. It's all right. Thank you. Not not life changing. I'm not sad that didn't. There's not more of it. I mean, yeah. I love those actors. That troop of people. They're all nice people, nice folks. But eh, I could take it or leave it. So with the exception of Adam Baldwin. Oh well. I guess there you go. So. There we go. Yeah, I know, I know. But I mean, there's there's certain people. To, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that too. There's certain people. Oh, you. But I mean that for, that person who's into Game of Thrones. That person's beyond fan. That's a missionary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the yeah. missionary. They're trying to convert you, and you're just like, okay, no, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll take Atlas Shrugged instead, please. Right. Right. So um, we meet a lot of people in in, in this hobby, and uh, you can, and if you try to over the years, you know, people people we've had people because of job circumstances or life um, stress, good or bad. You know, I'm getting married. I'm moving. So you have people, I mean, how many people have we had leave our game table? You've left our game table. I've left your game table. You know, there's things like that. But yet we're still, we're still affiliated. We're still in email groups. I mean, there are people that, that we chat about with about the game or games that haven't sat at the table with us for years, but they're all welcome. Sometimes people will drop in. And so it's, it's a, right. it's a good hobby that you can kind of revisit and check in on and uh, gameplay for you. Tell me about your a campaign that you may be working on. Or that you are running or were running and hey let me run this by you you know dm to dm creator to creator what do you think about this and like oh tell me about your you know the personalities yeah. of your character you know okay how about how, what about this you know it's it's just an interesting hobby there's so many aspects to it some people like just literally the getting together rolling dice quote killing things exploring role playing i love you know someone says oh i really want to do voices i want to explore characters and i could be this alien thing i could be whoever i want to be you know, it's like safe acting or whatever. Great. Some people are not into that. They just like the storytelling part of it, or they just the, just the social getting together with, with with buddies. Yeah. I mean, push comes shove. Really, if we just got together every Wednesday night and played a board game, I would be perfectly fat, happy. I'm more happy that we get to play something a little more complex that can be richer. But if it was literally just, you know what, we're just gonna set D and D aside. We're just gonna game of the week it. Okay, I, I would be happy with that because I ultimately for me it's it's the social aspect because you unlike a video game, you you can do it, but it's just, it's not the same. It's, you, you can go through the motions of role playing against yourself with yourself. It's okay. It's fun. I did it. That's what got me out of my depression when I was on my own, but it's so much better when it's around other people and it has to be a social aspect. Yeah. And I, I the computers are still not there yet because yeah. you're still limited in decisions and all that versus the yeah. table. Right. Well, okay. So we tried to do the French thing. Wow. That's, that's a bummer. I, I literally, we did it twice, and then I, I think we were. Well, now I'm learning Italian thanks to Duolingo. I've... I recommend Duolingo. Uh, that's what Jeremy recommended. It's he's uh, polishing up his Dutch through it, and you're going to have a big laugh. Starting Tuesday, we're going to be doing Taco Tuesday, where we have to communicate to each other only in Spanish. Nice. We, my daughter, does Duolingo for German, and my wife does it for Russian. Hmm. And I'm still just. Goofing around. If, if they're paying for it, come join me for Italian. There you go. It'll be great and so forth. But with, uh, it's going to be a struggle because I'm still on uh, The Boy Drinks Milk. <laughs> that's that's not a bad place to be. At least you're. The hotel is closed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, learning a language like that just exercises so many different parts of your brain. It's just it's just good mental exercise. I mean, they people describe it like math that fires the same neurons, which I. I leave this to the experts. I'm, I'm certainly not one of them. I disagree because math, no matter what language, math has the same order versus right where the prepositions or possession is. Yeah, because I I'm still getting stung on like oh I have to have a definitive I have to have a definitive article before 
a possessive pronoun on something. Yeah. It's just like, okay. But uh, Duolingo, I have to admit, is pretty fun because um, the order of progression is different in Spanish than is in Italian. With Italian, they go with what phrases they think are important here, drink, eat, while Spanish yeah. is more like I am, you are, is what they're doing. Well, and, and travel uh, comes up sooner in Spanish while travel is later in Italian. Well, Italian is like we're going to do colors instead. Yeah. Well, I remember now, like, okay, so you're, you're way more into comedy than I am. You've, you've, hey, come out and see this person. You should try this person. So you've tried to pull me into the comedy world, which I'm, I just, I'm on the edges of. But we've seen concerts together because you're into music. More, well, you, more you, got, you got me the wonderful opportunity to see Roger Daltrey, that which was, we were able to get downloads of. That was so awesome. That, that was Roger a highlight. Daltrey. That was and amazing. We're both kind of into movies, so we've seen some movies together. So. What else besides Master and Commander have we done? Because um, I know you bailed on me for Revenge of the Sith. I did that. Yes. Um, you did you see the Conan? You didn't see Conan with me. I know that. You were there, but you didn't. We didn't know about each other being there for oh, the for right. the Summer of '82 festival. Yeah, I was. Um, Kathy will love this. You had a costume. Uh, well, she, she, it wasn't a costume. I was. It was it, I. I had my face painted. She painted my face. Yeah. So there's a there's a scene in, the, in Conan the Barbarian in 1982. There's a scene at the, towards the end of the movie. They're sneaking to Thulsa Doom, the bad guy's lair. Right. They have this goofy, supposed to be camouflage, but it's this striped black and white face paint, body paint. Well, I wasn't going to do my body. My body is not Arnold Schwarzenegger's body. It's not even Jerry Lopez's body. Um, much less Sandra Bergman. But um, it was or whatever. I just that's a comedian. Um, so he has this very distinctive black and white patterning to his face. Right. So I wore a black t-shirt and she striped my, my your wife, wife did is an artist literally. So she has a very steady hand. So she was able to perfectly recreate the facial tiger stripe kind of pattern that, that Conan had from that last scene. So I went to the movie um, by myself. Didn't no one else. Oh, I didn't know you were by yourself. Yeah, I was by the, myself. We're with the Ritz. Yes. So now gone defunct. And, and not much of a, person that would like I wear a costume and walk down Main Street but here I am all inked up uh, virtually and I'm standing in line for the, for the movie don't know a soul didn't care loved it um, I'm not much of a substance ingester I'm just going to leave it at that but for that experience there was something that I ingested perfectly legal um, but it, it led to a more heightened understanding of the experience. And I was in a place for that two hours being conspicuously drawing attention to myself with that face paint. I was not the only person who was, who was so dolled up. But it wasn't like Rocky Horror where everyone in the audience is like that. This wasn't meant to be a costume type situation. There were some people like that. There's one guy that looked like a bodybuilding barbarian. I mean, he had the loincloth on and everything and the long flowing hair. I mean, he was, you know, like a, literally a bodybuilder. Kind of like, hey, look at me. But that's kind of that's kind of cool too. And so we're in the spirit. But it was definitely a interesting experience for me. So I'm glad I shared that with you, even though you were probably ten rows over. But I think it was in the back, and the only substance I remember was the uh, Cliff Huxtable hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had some. I think I had some leftover medication from a back problem that uh, I rattled out of the bottom of my, you know, bathroom. Uh, countertop for okay. something so just just again not that's not usually me but this was this was a once in a lifetime experience that's all right i just what i loved is the the three lessons of conan i found a way to extrapolate that to the next seven movies of 
what did we learn from Wrath of Khan? Right. What did we learn from E.T.? Yeah. Um, that was a good time. So. That, was, that was a great festival. It's too bad they could never repeat it for 83, 84, and on and on. Well, since the, I mean, the audience for this, for this experiment is your other friends, um, you know, I've had the pushing this back on now on you. All right. The joy of, you have such varied circles and you, you dip your toe in the comedy, t- comedy waters, you know, about music, you know, about production, you know, about publishing, you know, about game and tech and this and that you have opinion about politics. And so to, to all the other friends that you are going to be pulling into the podcast, I'm just going to say, you know, I am thankful for your friendship and it's been, um, you're always pulling me in different directions, making me think of things because I'm not maybe necessarily in all those waters as much as you are, just like maybe you're not, don't swim in the legal field as much as I do or whatever. And so even though you've got opinions on things and so it's just, it's good to know someone who is as, uh, erudite and, and, and frankly has an opinion and actually gives a damn about a lot of things. So that's, uh, you, you were good. And just to have the imagination to say, Hey, I'm going to sit my friends down and have some of my friends essentially talk through you to my other friends. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. Well, I've moved around too. Yeah. Right. And, um, to give you an idea, it was one of the weirdest experiences, as you know, everybody knows I went to five high schools. Yeah. Right. And it blew my mind when I was a freshman at Marquette. Now, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Marquette University, oh, the 1977 championship, Al McGuire, blah, blah. You know, it's all anybody remembers. Right. You know, but I chose to go there because I was like, oh, it's, you know, Milwaukee, happy days and so forth. And to me, it was a big enough city. I completely blanked out about Gen Con mm-hmm. being there. Yeah. But what was funny is I went to a freshman, I went to the inaugural meeting of the radio station. And this woman came up to me and said, hi. And I'm like, hello, being, you know, freshman, always on the prowl for girls. Of course. And she said, did you go to high school in Texas? And I said, yes, I went to two. She said, were you in Mrs. Lacey's Latin class? And I'm like, yes. And then the gears start turning and then I recognized her and it's like, oh my God, that you're Sheila, the giggler. And she's like, yeah, you're the one who got pushed out the window. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. You know, Wow. Small world. Well, it was one story. Yeah. It's whatever. But I want to close up about one thing about conventions of gaming. And, you know, uh, what was your first one? I finally got to go to Gen Con as a player the following year. I stumbled on it by accident in 88, forgetting that it was there. I was like, what are all this going on? I'm like, oh, my God, my people. And I got a quick tick. I just did a one-day pass just to see it. And then the next year I went to play. And you're like going to Gen Con, the oldest, the greatest Dungeons and Dragons convention to play. And you're thinking, I'm going to be playing with the best of the best. And it's like, no, it's the same people who frustrate me back at home that traveled all this way. Because like one time we played a comic book event, uh, a game like Champions, it was licensed from DC Comics, right? And we're playing these characters from World War II. And this one dude showed up with a hand truck. I'm not kidding. A hand truck of two comic book boxes, the short boxes. Yeah. With all the issues of the World War II stuff, the All-Stars and Blackhawk. Like, we're only playing for three and a half hours. What do you need that for? Well, research. No. Yeah. Just play the dumb game. Right. It was hilarious. How about you? Well, my... one time, Chupacabra Con here locally, it was it was very small. I am late to the con scene. I need to get into it. My brother-in-law is dive, has dove in, and every time he, he goes, he hits gold. It's like, I game with Sandy Peterson, who helped design Call of Cthulhu. He ran a game for me. 
I was, you know, the internet guy from the, who has all those videos. I met him. I mean, he's just hits gold every single time. So I, he is encouraging me like every other weekend, he'll call me up and like, I just got back from Dallas and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the hell? You know, I missed that one. So through him, I need to get back into that. So, and you and I, we need to sit down at the game table. We're on some convention somewhere soon. Well, Chupacabra is coming around yep. hopefully in May. We yep. are working together on an upcoming Scooby-Doo Call of Cthulhu with Playmobil toys. going to be fun. That's going to be hilarious because we also have special guest stars, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. Uh, I finally made a Playmobil figure out of Aisha Tyler. I think nice. her being Lana Kane will definitely help. That should be good. And you mentioned Star Wars. Let me know. I could get the D20 Star Wars going. I've been jonesing to do that. Always so, a good time. But thank you, everybody. I want to thank you very much, Mark, for the inaugural success since the last three over the years were a complete bust. This has been a very fun, Stephen. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. And I want to thank our engineer, Kathy. Yes, ma'am. And you. Uh, plug her upcoming one we're going to be doing called Russellmania, because that's a play on her last name. Great. That's yeah. great. Very good setup here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>